Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. And I'm Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger True Crime Podcast. Welcome back. If you guys would leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. So let's just jump in. Let's just jump in. Let's do it. This is, uh, again, a crazy-ass fucking case, because that's my specialty. (laughs) We don't do ordinary around here. We absolutely do not. (laughs) This one, uh, let me see if there's any trigger warnings on it. Um, It does involve kids. Okay. Again. And, of course, murder. (laughs) Yeah. Murder, torture, rape. Oh, God. Um, not in graphic detail, but the fact that it, it did happen. Okay. Right. So this is probably a case that you've heard of before. Or I've at least seen the images that are infamous about it. And I'll, I'll show you those in here in a minute. But the name for me didn't ring any bells until I started researching the case. Okay. So this is the case of Nathaniel Barjona. Okay. Right? I don't Doesn't know. ring any bells. Uh-uh. So he was born as David Paul Brown. Okay. Still doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> no, I know. But I'm for me, for it's it like to... I'm, I'm, I got those cases where people start off as Joe and they end up as, I don't know, Nicholas. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> fucking <laughs> random ass Stop name changing changes. your name, people. So for the purpose of this episode, although he didn't change his name until later in life, and I'll let you know when. I'll be referring to him as Nathaniel throughout. Okay. That is much less confusing. Easier. Yeah. So he was born on February 15th, 1957. By the age of six, he was already exhibiting troubling signs. He would pick at his stabs and suck on the blood. Ugh. Ew. <laughs> Ew. I'm laughing at your reaction, of course, not at what he was discussing. <laughs> so he, the school that he was attending at the time, had to call the mom several times to let her know what he was doing with his scabs and things, mm-hmm. and that he was scaring at kids at school by doing this, obviously. I wonder how as a parent I'd handle that. Your son is picking scabs off of himself and eating the blood. Oh, God. Yuck. <laughs> I'd be like, what What do you want me to do about that? <laughs> <laughs> you have school psychologists there. Make good use of them. Right. You're calling me in, but shouldn't you be telling me yeah. what to do? All right. So that was at a young age, again, six. And at the age of seven, in July of 1964, we are taking off running here. There is no... That, there, that, that was a okay. ramp up. That was it. Got it. So... At the age of seven, he invited a five-year-old neighbor girl to his house. He took her into his basement after telling her that he had a Ouija board that they could go downstairs and play with. Ooh, no kids. Once they were in the basement, he attempted to strangle her. But the mom heard a scuffle and the screams and ran into the basement and saved the little girl. It was his mom? Yeah. Okay, if you don't know that your kid needs therapy there after that point, there wasn't then. any official punishment for him. Oh my gosh, my mom wouldn't let me play with Ouija boys and we uh, Ouija we, boys. <laughs> she wouldn't let me play with them either. Uh, my mom wouldn't let me play with Ouija boards, and she told me if one came out at a party that I had to call her so I could leave. <laughs> That's how serious That's she was great. about it. <laughs> Thanks, Vicky. 
Um, yeah, they, no one, they're too young, first of no. all, to be playing with Ouija boards, uh, but I get why they would, why she wanted to go down there and, and play, but, um, she really so didn't know what it was. stepped in and was able to save her, Yeah, but you're right, I don't know why there's not any documentation of he was taken to therapy or he was reprimanded in any type of way, there is no record of that. Okay. So, in 1970... Uh, when Nathaniel was 13 years old, he took a six-year-old neighborhood boy to a nearby hillside area after a recent snow with the lure that he would go down sledding with him. Once they got to the secluded hill, Nathaniel raped the, six, the six-year-old boy. And he's how old? He was 13 at this point. Oh. So this is... A fully-pledged teenager taking a six-year-old boy and doing that to him. It's just unspeakable. Again, I'm just rattling these off because it it just goes so quickly. But a few years later, Nathaniel attempted to kidnap two boys that were riding their bicycles around town. But one of the boys knew something sketchy was up and convinced the other boy not to get in the car with him. So the boys were able to get away. Okay. In March of 1975, this was the first time that Nathaniel started impersonating people in public power, so police officers. Okay. He dressed up as a local police officer and kidnapped an eight-year-old kid named Richard O'Connor while he was on his way to school. He proceeded to rape and strangle the boy, but luckily there was a witness to the abduction and this witness called the police and began the search for the car and the boy. A patrol car saw the car matching the description used by the witness that was used in the abduction and it was parked away from other vehicles in a large parking lot. The officer called for backup as they closed in on the car, they did so right on time. When they ordered Nathaniel out of the car, they found eight-year-old Richard O'Connor in the car, unconscious, and there was blood and feces, which made it evident that there was a sexual assault. Uh-huh. I hate this stuff. Of course, Nathaniel was arrested like, I for hate this. this stuff. And- <laughs> Keep on going. She just bulldozes right over me. Well, it's not that I'm dismissing it. It's just that I want to get through it just as much as you do. Okay, power through. (laughs) Because, I mean, that's very graphic, but in everything that I researched, that was something that was detailed. So I didn't want to gloss over that. No. um, Because it goes to show how savage he was. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, this is... An eight-year-old boy. Right. So I I can't imagine what was going through his little head. But, of course, Nathaniel was arrested for this, but it is not known exactly how long he was sentenced for this, but we know that he was given probation. So he was out on probation. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So a couple of days before graduating high school... Which is also worth noting that this was a couple of days before his probation was up from this attack on Richard Mm O'Connor. Nathaniel was on the prowl again 
and he drove to Hartford, Connecticut, and was getting, and was also dressing up as a police officer. He kidnapped a nine-year-old girl. He proceeded to rape her in his vehicle, and due to the violent attack, this poor little girl began throwing up and having convulsions from the assault. So, I don't know if her throwing up and convulsing scared him Mm -hmm. or disgusted him, but either way, he stopped the attack and drove out to a random street and threw the girl out of the car. Wow. Someone saw the incident of him throwing the little girl out of the car and wrote down his license plate. And then hopefully went to check on the little girl. Probably. <laughs> but hopefully. <laughs> they were like, hmm, that's interesting. I'll write that down and um, I'm going to go that way. No, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, so the police in Connecticut were able to identify that it was Nathaniel's car and mm-hmm. arrested him. Unfortunately, the records from Massachusetts were never cross-referenced. So they did not know that he was currently on parole and there was no consequences for him committing a, another crime while on parole. Yeah, that's the downside of dealing with this stuff in a low technology age. Right. He was actually released from parole in May of 1976, so after graduation, and even received a letter thanking him for his quote-unquote cooperation during his parole time. Ew. Ew. All right, so... You're still with us <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Next. <laughs> he was 20 years old and a 375-pound man. Holy smokes. All 5 feet 10 inches of him. Oh, he's a big guy. That's a, that's a big boy. Yeah. He's, how, how tall is he? 5'10", you said? 5'10". Zam. That's not tall he's like for as, all that weight. No, he's as big as he is. Wide as he is tall. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Let's measure. Uh, well, his pictures, you don't even have to measure. You can no, just... I looked. That's what I've been looking at because you said something about photos. So I had to look and holy smokes, his face fills the whole frame. Oh, oh. Gross. His, oh, oh. All right. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> all sorry. Right. Here's the thing. His stature and his weight plays a role in one of his attacks. That's right. So. Yes. I had to mention it. Usually I don't go around saying, so-and-so has blue eyes and well, a crooked nose. All like, the no, articles about him are the 300-pound child murderer. And, right. I mean, we're looking at 400. Yeah. So well, it, okay. definitely, it definitely plays a part, and this is why I'm bringing it up, because it's it, it needs to be mentioned. Yeah. So, in 1977, Nathaniel dressed up as an FBI agent. He convinced two boys that were coming out of a movie theater to get in the car with him. He took the boys to a secluded area, handcuffed both of them, and proceeded to attack them by strangulation as well as flicking cigarette ashes on them. He proceeded to leave one in the trunk, pulled another one out, and jumped, literally jumped on the chest of one of the boys. Oh my gosh, that's 400 something pounds coming down on you. Again, at this point, he was 375. 
That's a lot of weight. And to come crashing down on from a up. boy. Holy smokes. So after doing that repeatedly, he thought that he had killed the boy. So he left him there for dead while he drove off with the other boy still alive in the trunk of his car. The boy that he had left behind as dead, fortunately, regained consciousness and managed to find help. He let them know that his friend was still with him. Him being able to call for help is what would lead the police tracking down Nathaniel's car and finding the other boy was still alive in the trunk. Of course, they arrested Nathaniel. Of course. He was prosecuted for this crime and convicted for attempted murder, and he received the maximum sentence in Massachusetts, which was to serve 8 to 20 years in prison. Wow. Okay. It was during his stay in prison that he decided to change his legal name from David to Nathaniel Levi. Because according to him, this is fucking nuts, he wanted to know what it would be like to be discriminated against for being a Jew. His previous name didn't make it obvious enough that he was Jewish, so he wanted a name that would immediately let others know he was Jewish. I'm, I'm, I'm all the way done. Yeah. I'm all the way done. Yeah. So that's the reason for the name change. While he was serving out his sentence, he was transferred over to Bridgewater State Hospital. He told the psychiatrist there over and over that he was having sexual fantasies involving murder, torture, dissection, or dissection. Either is fine, Mm. depending on where you want to put your emphasis. And had a taste for human flesh. Gross, gross, gross. He was released from the mental hospital in July of 1991. She was like, sounds normal. Okay, well. Right. And I found the the paperwork on the psychiatrist that deemed him not a danger to society and and all that. Yeah. And, And it's very interesting. We see this over and over again. I swear, you know. Mm-hmm. Lost count of how many times we've, you know, seen this happen, but, and I couldn't find his IQ anywhere. Hmm. I really wanted they to know what his IQ him. was, but this guy wasn't even trying to hide what his fantasies Mm-mm. were. He was straight up telling them, this is what I want to do, and they still let him go. So there was a little bit of um, remorse, and I think there was some... Um, uh, reprimanding of the person who deemed him safe for society. I would hope so. Um, because obviously he wasn't. They were so, like, rule number one, when somebody tells you they want to murder and eat people, that's a bad sign. Don't let them out and say, no, go find people. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. It'll be fine. You'll be <clears throat> fine. So in total. He's going to say eat a Snickers. <laughs> when you're hungry. That's absolutely true though, let me tell That's you. It's not. 
So that meant that he served a total of 14 years for the attack of the two boys and the attempted murders for jumping on a boy and almost killing him. He served a total of 14 years between the prison and the mental hospital altogether. Seems like peanuts. Yeah. So after being released from the state hospital, there was one notable difference about him. And that was that he shed 100 pounds, so now he weighed 275. Okay. On August 9th, 1991, a month after being released, Nathaniel had another run-in with the law. There was a 7-year-old boy sitting inside the car alone that was presumably waiting for his parents that were in the post office. Mm -hmm. And Nathaniel opened the door... And sat on the boy. What? Yeah. If this person is going around and just throwing his body weight around to hurt people. Literally. This is a matter of fact thing. He was using his weight. He knows what his weight is and he's using it to hurt people. Yep. Unfortunately. Children. Boys. Right. Yeah. Small boys that he knows. How do you just like, you see somebody and you're like, I'm just going to go sit on that person. So this is, he excuses it. So I guess I will say there was witnesses, including the boy's mom, that saw this fucking random ass thing fucking happen. And they ran towards the car. He fled the scene, but everyone was able to give the police a good enough description of this piece of shit. And there was an officer that recognized a description of him from... It's pretty distinct, I would guess. Right. And... He had actually been the one that arrested him 15 years before. Mm-hmm. So he knew exactly who he was. At he was first, like somebody trying to crush somebody with their body weight? That no sounds shit, familiar. right? Yeah. Yeah. Nathaniel at first said that he opened the door and that he was just trying to get out of the rain. He didn't realize the boy was there. You don't get into people's cars. So he said, if I hurt the boy, I did so unintentionally. I don't know if the boy was hurt or not. It, it doesn't, it's not on his list of victims. Right. Um, but the situation was repeated. The intention was right. there. Yeah. He later admitted that no, he was actually trying to kill the boy. I'll bet. Yeah. And Nathaniel was tried for this and sentenced to probation. But here's the thing though Massachusetts said the conditions of his probation were that he had to move in with his mother in Montana and completely leave the state of Massachusetts and not come back. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. If another state did that to us, I'd be like, fuck no. Take your piece of shit back. No, thank you. Montana's like, no, no, no. No, I mean, we don't Massachusetts, want him. like, no, we don't want him either. Just back and forth. Just like keep a, him on a bus. It's like the anti custody <laughs> battle. I don't want him. You take him. <laughs> I can imagine like the puppy situation of people calling the puppy over to their side and like everyone's quiet. Just yeah. fucking crickets. Like, like, no, 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 no. Don't make eye contact. Don't volunteer. <laughs> So he moved in with his mother in Montana, and he had his first run-in with the law in 1993. So not long after being there, this guy cannot keep away from being You can't being stop in sitting on people. No, but <laughs> he was accused of molesting an eight-year-old boy that he was babysitting. 
His explanation for saying that he wasn't guilty, that had he actually done it, he would have just killed the boy. His attorney was able to get his charges dropped on this case, on this case because he claimed that Nathaniel was not given a speedy trial. So on that technicality, he was able to get Nathaniel off. Wow. So on the early morning of February 6, 1996, this is what he's most known for. Zach Ramsey, who was a 10-year-old boy at the time, left home to go to school at around 7.30 that morning. I hate when they're going to school. And they're so young. He was going the same way that he always did, which included cutting through an alleyway. No, my kid's never walking to school. Not today, Satan. (laughs) There are several witnesses that say they saw Zach that morning, as usual, but this morning... They saw an off-white vehicle that almost ran him over in the alley and also saw a person sitting with Nathaniel's description following him on foot. Again, his description. There's not many people that fit his description. It's a big man. It's a big man. The description of the person was the following. It included a heavyset guy wearing a navy blue jacket that to some of the witnesses looked police-like, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So again, he's back to that same M.O. of impersonating, impersonating an officer. So through the course of this, Allie Chase uh, stalking situation, right. Zach disappeared and was never seen again. The police zeroed in on Nathaniel for a couple of reasons. He had access to his mom's Toyota Corolla, which was an off-white in color. He had the day off from work and also subsequent days after the disappearance. He had Mm -hmm. off from work. And his mother and brother were out of town for a funeral. Interesting. So he had not only the means, but the the opportunity. The availability, yeah. All of this was circumstantial. They backed down, and it wasn't until about three years later, on December of 1999, when he was spotted outside of an elementary school a few days in a row, and he was wearing a dark blue jacket again, and he was carrying two cans of pepper spray, a toy gun, and a fake badge. All the makings of a child's Halloween costume as a police officer, except for the pepper spray, I guess. That seems a little extreme, but... Yeah, you probably get better accessories off of a costume set, so yeah. he was really bad at impersonating he an officer. DIY. <laughs> so because of that impersonation situation, yeah. and this time he was outside of a school, they were able to get a search warrant for him... For the impersonating of a police officer mm-hmm. and carrying a concealed weapon, the I believe at this point it would have been the pepper spray. Okay. So the search warrant was served for both his mom's house and his new address. Police found articles of clothing that could be used to impersonate an officer, as well as another toy badge, a stun gun, and a baseball cap reading, quote, security enforcement. <laughs> 
Sorry. While they were serving a search warrant, they found a trap door in the ceiling of his kitchen, which had albums with cutouts of children pictures. Oh, no. And two documents about bondage and autoerotic asphyxiation. They had to get a second search warrant, though, for these specific materials, uh, for the photographic and other documents. Because, again, the first one was for the materials for impersonating an officer. So they can't collect one thing if if it's not a warrant that covers everything. So they, they went and got that granted. And they went back and collected, this time, a notebook that was truly frightening. It included a list of... A lot of boys, which some of the boys that were named on this list were some the boys that he was accused of molesting. That he had charges for previously. Massachusetts, yep. Okay. It also had an entry for Zach Ramsey, and next to his name was the word died. Ooh. Almost 4,000 pictures of children were discovered. News clippings about Zach Ramsey's disappearance were discovered. The police also discovered a notebook that was written in code. The specific notebook was sent to a specialist, and they cracked the code and discovered that it was a cookbook with recipes titled Little Boy Pot Pie, French Fried Kid, and Little Boy Stew. No, 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 no. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. In his garage, they found a piece of plywood that had been cleaned, but clearly stained Mm. and had marks of being struck with a meat cleaver. Oh, no. So it was apparent that he was probably using this as a cutting board of sorts. I'm not okay. Further inquiries seemed to confirm officers' fears that Nathaniel had killed cooked Ramsey and possibly other children. It was learned that in the days after Ramsey's disappearance, Nathaniel held cookouts for his neighbors. No, he did not. In which he served deer burgers, spaghetti, chili, meat pies, and other casseroles. Oh, no. One of the neighbors said that she found the taste of the meat to be repulsive. Nathaniel told her that he had personally hunted, killed, butchered, and wrapped his own deer meat. The same woman that accused him of having repulsive tasting meat, her son was molested by Nathaniel as well. Oh, Oh, God, I'm never going to another barbecue ever again. However... Nathaniel did not own a gun or hunting license, of course. There was no record of him buying food or going to a grocery store for a month following Zach Ramsey's disappearance. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I'm thinking, like, there's probably nothing worse that you could hear as a parent. No. That all of this happened to your child and then the guy feasted off of his body for a month? And, right. Fed it to others. I, I, yeah. No. Nope. I can't process. <clears throat> so eventually, the police conducted a search warrant at one of his former residences. 
and excavated in his backyard and uncovered 21 bone fragments belonging to a boy between the ages of 8 and 13 years old. Oh, no. The house's pipes could not be examined because the new residents of the home had to replace them because they kept getting clogged. (gasps) There was hair found on one of the meat grinders that he owned. Mm-hmm. And DNA tests came back that the hairs belonged to two different African-American males, neither of which would have been Zach Ramsey. Zach Ramsey's mother refused to believe that her son was dead or that Nathaniel was in any way related to his disappearance. A psychic, con- psychic convinced her that Zach Ramsey was living in Italy. I feel like that is trying to prevent insanity. Cope? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Because that sounds a lot better than mm-hmm. trying the to face the reality. Absolutely. Yeah. So the mother threatened to defend Nathaniel and stand by his side if he was brought to trial for her son's murder. Ooh. So. I don't know about that, Mom. Eventually, the charges related to Zach Ramsey's disappearance were dropped, and the police focused on other possible victims. Two names on the list belonged to two boys who lived in the same apartment building as Nathaniel, and who were, he had pictures of them. One of the boys confirmed that Nathaniel invited them over for a sleepover and molested them. What they could charge him with eventually was the sexual assault, aggravated kidnapping, and assault with a deadly weapon in relationship to practicing erotic asphyxiation with one of the boys with that same pulley that led to the trapdoor in the kitchen. Ew. Allegedly hung the boy off of that cord until he was unconscious. Right. He was convicted and sentenced in 2002. This took a while. To 130 years in prison without the possibility of parole. On April 2008, at the age of 51, Nathaniel was found dead in his cell from a heart attack related to his obesity. Three years later... Zach Ramsey's father declared him legally dead, even though his mother was against it. Yikes. Yeah, pretty fucked up. I don't even know what to say after that. Oh my gosh. Um, So technically, Zach Ramsey's case was never solved. Right. Uh, But we know what happened, it seems like. Right. Everything points to that. There was never a confession from Nathaniel about whether or not he did what everyone thinks to Zach Ramsey. If he did, I can't. There's so many people involved. It goes beyond just um, cannibalism for yourself, but um, to force others unbeknownst to them to do it, um, to participate, just beyond me. I don't even know how to put that into words. I'm not doing barbecues anymore. I'm done. Sorry, guys. I know you do a ton during the summer. I'm out. my own. His case was still unsolved. It is, you know, one of the big unsolved cases that we have in the U.S. Uh, but like you said, I think all evidence points to... Yeah. To Especially Nathaniel. if you have a notebook and the guy wrote in there that the guy's, the kid's dead. Right. Like, 
Hello. I mean... People saw the fact that he was there trailing the kid. And and, and again, his, you know, his appearance is easily describable. Yeah. So they knew it was him, that he was there around the time that he disappeared. So I... I don't have any of the theories that could debunk what possibly happened and that he fell victim to this and that's how his body was disposed. Um, if you know of any other theories that you'd like to share that you find, please let me know because I'd love to hear what other, you know, because sometimes we know that it happens in cases a victim is related to a certain killer but it turns out to be another serial killer's mm -hmm. victim so if if you know of anything else that happened possibly to zach ramsey i'd love to hear it yeah crazy ass case i know it's a i, I hate when you it, do but... these ones <laughs> well again i was telling kenzie before we started she's like what are you doing today and i was like well you know me you're I gonna hate do it do normal shot in the head you're done type of things no um, no, and that's one could because hope because I I hate to say this, but I like the cases where they're not as simple. Just because I like it fascinates me to be like, what the fuck were they thinking? Yeah, not that I can ever comprehend it, but you know, you try to think of where and how and what and why how and do you, yeah. So and that's what keeps me intrigued. But this one. Um, as I was researching it and writing it down, I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, th this mm. is a crazy case. So he had a lot of victims. Yeah. Um, ranging from, you know, molesting them, kidnapping, torturing, raping, killing, eating. There, his range was wide. His yeah. M.O. was not... Well, his M.O. was kind of the same. Kind of, except he an officer. Kinda, yeah, but then he bounced between like boys and girls, and then, uh, right. I don't know. yeah, right. And then he also had the thing where he wanted to sit on people, and I know that is a sexual fantasy that some people have, or they want to be set on. I I get it. I don't do no. I don't. I don't <laughs> get it. I get that it's out there. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I understand, understand that it's out there. I don't understand it myself. But do you, boo? Don't hurt anyone, though. And with consent. Consenting adults, please. Right. Don't accidentally or not accidentally go sit on a child in a fucking car that's not your car in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, weirdos. Anyway, so. All right. I'm going to go scream in a pillow now. <laughs> I'm going to get you a new pillow by now. I, I owe you a new pillow. So that's it, guys. That's the story of Nathaniel Bar Jonah crazy ass fucking story yeah beware of strangers that offer you fucking hamburgers and chili and well ugh, sorry <laughs> i gotta go it's just <laughs> awful i'm sorry if you, you, we'll post pictures of this guy of course i wouldn't go to his barbecues <laughs> no um even without knowing anything <laughs> no definitely not if you know or have had any inkling while you're at a reunion, family party, anything, of anything weird happening, We, we want to hear your barbecue know. story. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the best way that you can do that is to email us at extrangerdangerpodcast at gmail.com. Follow our Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. You can follow us on Facebook. 
where you can also leave a nice little review if you don't have iTunes. We'd really appreciate it there too at Stranger Danger colon a true crime podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at SD True Crime Pod. Thanks for listening. And well, that's it. <laughs> Barbecue your own food. <laughs> oh shit. Bring your own burgers and buns. <laughs> Just say you're on a special diet. It'll be fine. Here in Portland, we do that kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.